Blog Talk Radio. to the Truth to Power show. I am Beverly, and we have with us tonight Eddie Rodriguez, and um, he's going to uh, let us continue to enjoy his Latin magical music journey. How are you doing, Eddie Rodriguez? I'm doing fine, Beverly. Thank you very much for inviting me back to uh, to share some of my the music uh, of the artists that I've worked with uh, throughout my career uh, tonight. Um, we're going to spotlight uh, an incredible pianist. Um, but before that, uh, I want to tell you about the mm-hmm. opening number we just heard. Okay. We heard a tune called Jumping with Symphony Sid. Uh, that um, particular uh, composition was something that all the teenagers uh, in the 60s uh, at 11 o'clock uh, used to hear to uh, for a broadcast of a, a DJ by the name of Symphony Sid. Uh, he originally came from the jazz world, uh, WEVD, I think it was the AM station. And, um, you know, at one point he started to play salsa music. Uh, which was, you know, becoming popular with the teenagers in New York at that time. Um, all the artists that um, we know today that have been in the, music, in the Latin music business, especially the tropical Latin music industry, um, the old timers, you know, they all went through the Symphony Sid show. And uh, it's incredible. How even today I hear that song and it brings back memories of those days of of trying to get the, 
the signal to that to, on an AM mm-hmm. transistor radio before I went to sleep. I used to fall asleep to that music while I was attending junior high school in the Bronx. So, okay. you know, it's kind of good we we, uh, we started off the, the show like that because it's, you know, that kind of encompasses a lot. You know, it's a big band, Latin sound, kind of jazzy and you know, uh, all of that was happening, and it, it it attracted a lot of a lot of us, a lot of young Puerto Rican uh, mm-hmm. kids, teenagers that were just getting into Latin music. So uh, that once again, that was jumping with Symphony Sid by the late great king of Latin music, Tito Puente. Um, tonight we're going to spotlight music of an amazing pianist who. Uh, whose life was cut short um, and his murder is still unsolved um, from an incident that happened in the French Quarter in, in New Orleans on Bourbon Street, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, Hilton was a jazz guy you know, all the way through, even though he played for a lot of Latin groups. And so he, because he was Puerto Rican, grew up in Hell's Kitchen, which is the west side of, uh, of Manhattan, in the 50s, uh, 50, 51st, 52nd, 53rd, all those streets there were called uh, Hell's Kitchen. And um, he, um, at the age of eight years old, you know, Hilton performed at Carnegie Hall. He was, he was a child prodigy. Uh, I was honored to, to call him a friend and, and collaborated with him, producing a few albums and um the last project that he that he uh, that he released uh, was uh, a story within itself because he went to do a video for one of the one of the uh, compositions on that album and um, the funds from the sale of the CD he decided he wanted to donate all the proceeds to the musicians and victims of Hurricane Katrina. So Hilton mm-hmm. died on. Hilton, you know, his birthday was uh, on May 29th, uh, um, and his he passed away on June the 6th, 2006, in New Orleans. Um, tragic, tragic situation. I have an entire story about, you know, what I think mm-hmm. happened, but uh, only it's only a. Um, from my point of view uh, of, of what I think happened, because that should never have happened to him. Uh, so, um, but you know, he he completed his mission on this earth, and he left us a lot of great music. And tonight, you know, we're going to honor the late great pianist, composer, arranger, musician, band leader, friend, father. His daughter, her name is Ida Ruiz, who has taken over, you know, administering his music publishing catalog. And, um, you know, we don't want to forget Hilton. You know, Hilton's music lives forever. So um, I want to be able to, to talk about Hilton a little bit more, but we have a lot of music for you tonight for your audience. And um, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a show, once again, like we did for Tito Puente. Uh, we did a, a nine-episode series. Uh, we have two episodes for 
for Hilton on on the anniversary of his passing uh, June 6, 2006. So here we are, the beginning of June, and um, this is to honor our, our, our great and amazing musician, human being, um, friend, the late Hilton Ruiz. May he rest in peace. Okay, here we go. Uh, you know, and uh, Dave Valentine, Dave Valentine and uh, Eddie Primary and Richie Flores, all these guys are great, you know what I mean? And, and we're putting in a new energy and a new fire. And there's, but, and there's no competition between you guys. Each of you is a leader in his own right, and, and you're yeah. working as an ensemble. Yeah, because we, we play together, we know how to accompany, we know how to get along. You know, it's not about ego, it's about getting the job done having a good time and, and making the people enjoy themselves and making some money at the same time. The next number is composed by the late, great John Coltrane, arranged by Hilton Ruiz. This is called Straight Street, and in it will be featured two extraordinary dancers, Stacy Lopez and Charlene Ortega. Listen, look, and enjoy. Straight Street.
has with Eddie Rodriguez. Hey, Beverly. Did you feel it? Yes, I did. That was great. <laughs> well, there you are in Detroit, Michigan, you know, where Motown was, became, uh, you know, something that was spread all over the world, the Motown sound. Here we hear Hilton Reese, who uh, was influenced by a lot of jazz greats uh, during his youth. Uh, and he uh, started with some Latin bands, believe it or not. He was young, but he was a pianist, and he played good. He read notes, and he had that swing. A Puerto Rican grew up in uh, Hell's Kitchen, New York, uh, single mom. Um, she bought him a piano uh, at an early age, and then he started taking uh, piano lessons. And, uh, you know, from there, he, he started to learn and techniques uh, and um, mostly in the classical music base, you know, Mozart and all of the greats in, in classical music. And um, like I said, by the age of eight, he was performing uh, at a recital at Carnegie Hall. And, uh, you know, in his young teenage years, um, he started um, doing gigs with bands from New York City, you know, and some of them were Puerto Rican bands that uh, were not jazz, it was just straight Latin music of that time, which was mostly bomba y plena. Uh, and um, it was kind of interesting because, you know, all those people were men and a lot of them didn't have the best uh, character uh, character traits in terms of, you know, their personal lives on stage and performing and their music was incredible, but personal, their personal life, a lot of them was a mess in terms of um, you know the need to escape and to to be somewhere else and uh, when they weren't on stage uh, they were they were getting hot and so um, mm-hmm. I think Hilton probably saw a lot of that drinking and drugging at a, at an early age um, but didn't get into it because you know it wasn't it wasn't him it wasn't and so I think he started um, touring with some of the jazz uh, bands, you know, Rossan and Rowan Kirk, you know. I've seen pictures of him playing and with, uh, with five saxophones in his mouth, you know, mouthpieces, five saxes at the same time. I mean, something incredible. I'm, you know, uh, yeah. we heard Hilton, you know, from... Uh, the first album, the first uh, track was from the album The Troppy Jazz All-Stars, uh, live at Manhattan Center. Uh, I was there. <clears throat> I was part of the production team. And it was an amazing, amazing, amazing performance uh, by, by by Tito, by, by Hilton, by, by Mongo, by uh, Giovanni, by uh, Dave Valentin, and, you know, we had other pianists there as well. We had Michelle Camilo. You know, Hilton was in that league, you know, the you know the top jazz pianist, a Puerto Rican, uh, being a, one of the uh, most solicited jazz pianists, you know, in New York City, a uh, band leader, um, and, and was always, always playing. He was playing in terms of rehearsing or practicing always, always, every time I saw Hilton. When I went, used to go to visit him at, at, at his home in Teaneck, New Jersey, you know, he would be practicing. And, you know, when he got downtown before he moved back to Teaneck, you know, I used to go to his apartment 
I used to be the head of Tropic Jazz Records, so, um, you know, we, we hung out a lot, and, uh, uh, you know, it was a great, great uh, creative mind genius that, w- that we were dealing with, an amazing pianist, but also a creative energy, a creative spirit, you know, you saw how he talked uh, those uh, standard, uh, you know, jazz standards, and, and created a Latin flavor to it, uh, you know, uh, with Straight Street, and then uh, we heard from the album um, um, Hands on Percussion, and Hands on Percussion was um, not only, you know, Giovanni's album on Congas, or, or, you know, Tito Puente on Timbales, or Tito Puente on Vibes, but, you know, it, it had that Latin kind of like swing to it, and uh, once again, you know, the, the standards that he did uh, and arranged into a Latin kind of beat was something incredible. You know, seeing him live was, was something else, so because he, his technique, you know, he would go, you know, his, his both, both hands were on the piano, they were working, you know, doing different things at the same time, and to see something like that was it was something incredible, you know. So uh, besides Hilton, you know, we have the great, you know, Eddie Palmieri, who is still with us today, and, and his brother, who's not with us today, Charlie Palmieri. And we had another pianist in, in New York that we grew up with by the name of Mark Diamond. He's not with with us anymore. Uh, you know, we have Michelle Camilo, who's from the Dominican Republic, an incredible pianist, you know, uh, and Hilton Reeves and Chucho Valdez from Cuba. Uh, you know, Hilton was in that league of, of, of great Puerto Rican or Cuban uh, pianists uh, from New York City. So uh, tonight we're honoring his music as music lives forever. And uh, I was blessed to have known him. And, uh, you know, we'll be telling a story about his, his last recording project and that ultimately uh, led him to uh, go with some people, not with me. Uh, he decided mm-hmm. to go with some other people and, and, and ended up in New Orleans, and, and uh, he ended up uh, being uh, murdered. Uh, people don't know that Hilton was a short guy, so he was a black belt. You know, he, he you know nobody could mess with Hilton. Hilton was he was short, so he had a he had a he had to be able to defend himself so right. black belt and there's, there's no way he could have gotten into a fight in New Orleans and and uh, and, and lost um, mm-hmm. you know something happened in that bar something happened in that bar where you know I don't think it was one person against uh, Hilton uh, it had to be multiple people and a lot of right. the cops were Freelancing, um, you know, uh, you know, one day, you know, working at night in some of these clubs and, and make some extra money, and uh, and they hated people of color, you know, they they, they you know, these people white cops and you know, and, uh, and they voted in a, a mayor who was black and he was corrupt, so this there was mm-hmm. never an investigation, you know. I'll talk more about that down the line, but. Uh, you know, right okay. now, I, I just want people to to understand that uh, we had a, an amazing spirit, creative individual uh, that left us some great music, uh, and, and 
unfortunately, you know, uh, he was, his life was cut short, you know, and uh, trying to do something good. And the murder was never solved. Uh, you know, this happened uh, in the end of May of, of 2006, uh, or the beginning of June 2006, actually. He, he died uh, on June June the 6th. Uh, 2006, and uh, I was part of helping to prepare the funeral, um, getting a, a, a second opinion to to do an autopsy in in, in New York to, to to see have the findings, you know, uh, to to you know what did he die of, you know, because uh, they said the story was he fell down in the street, hit his head. And went into a coma on the way to the hospital. We had a cardiac arrest, and uh, he laid in a hospital in New Orleans uh, for a few days. And then, you know, then he passed, and, uh, and his body was shipped back to New York. And uh, it was sad, sad, sad story. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, once again, you know, we got we got to look at the, the what Hilton. We heard Hilton speak at the beginning of. Of his set, um, uh, he was oh, talking was about. Talking. Yeah, that was that was Hilton, you know, and okay. uh, you know he was a happy guy. He was just, you know, a creative spirit, you know. And he was talking about, hey, listen, you know, we're com- we, you know, we get along, you know, we we know how to accompany each other, you know, just, you know, and, and we work together, you know. The whole idea is to have fun. Make people feel good and, and make a little bit of money at the same time. That was his attitude, you know. He wasn't thinking about, you know, millions or anything like that, you know. But uh, he had, you know, some money that he used to make from royalties every year from his uh, compositions, original compositions. And uh, he had an agent uh, that they used to book him in, you know, different parts of the world. And he used to go to Lebanon and he used to go to Europe and, you know. I met Hilton in uh, 1980 uh, in Seattle, Washington, at a club called the Jazz Corner. And um, I used to work for, uh, I used to be back and forth between Los Angeles and and Seattle because that was my run. I used to work on, 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 you know, on Amtrak. And um, I was uh, on board, uh, you know, I used to run the cafe car, and oh, I used to do anything. And I would be a waiter, I would be a cook, I would be a porter. I did all whatever it was to make money, go back and forth, and um, you know wherever we had to go. Um, it was either Los Angeles to to Seattle, or uh, um, Los Angeles to New Orleans, or Los Angeles to Chicago. So I was traveling back and forth for, for years, you know, from 1977 until around 1984. And so, you know, I met him, you know, it was so interesting because, you know, when I saw him, I said, you know, and I heard him playing, I said, yeah, you know, this guy's mean, boy, he's, he's really something. And I went back, you know, when that finished, I, I went, you know, I said, hey, you know, how you doing? My name is Eddie. I grew up in New York. He said, oh, yeah, I'm in New York. And, and that's that's how the relationship started in Seattle, Washington. And uh, then we met again when I was living in Los Angeles and he was touring and we met, hung out in Los Angeles. And then I started working for Trop RMM. We had 
which had the Tropy Jazz label and all. Uh, it was early 90s, and here I am, you know, representing uh, Hilton Huis, uh new releases uh, in, in the West Coast. So, uh, you know, it, it was a great experience with him. Uh, and when I moved to New York, you know, I was relocated by, by, by RMM Records, by the late uh, concert promoter, uh, owner of the label Tropy Jazz and RMM, uh, the late Ralph Mercado, may he rest in peace. And all of a sudden, I found myself in with Hilton in production, you know, in the recording studio, working with Tito Puente in the recording. Dave Valentin, mm-hmm. you know, we, we did that Tropic Jazz All-Stars project. Uh, we were able to sign uh, Tucho Valdez on a project, and Patita de Rivera, and uh, working with Eddie Palmieri. You know, it was like I was in my element. And so, right. um, you know, it, it was a, an honor for me to, and a blessing to have uh, been um, with these creative spirits um, during my career in Latin music. So I'm, I'm very grateful to God that, you know, he put me in, in, in the path of these incredible individuals that their music lives on forever. And so, you know, um, I think you want to give in the call and give your your listeners the call in number for comments, uh, and then uh, we'll proceed with more okay. music of the priest. The call in number is three two three six four two one five eight six, and push the number one. If you have a question or comment for Eddie Rodriguez, Eddie Rodriguez has been in the music business for uh, many years here. And as you can see, he worked with some of the greats uh, in the Latin jazz uh, music. So if you have any questions or comments, push one and and call in. And we're going to continue to listen to Hilton. And how do you pronounce his last name? Ruiz, like Ruiz, 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 Ruiz. All right, Hilton Ruiz. Okay. All right, Beverly. All right. Okay, home
taking us on his Latin music journey, and we've been listening to Hilton Ruaz. There you go. Wow, what a set. You know, know, there's so many sides of of Hilton, you know. know, He went to, when he went to high school, uh, he was, uh, his piano teacher was uh, Mary Lou Williams. And um, he once said uh, something I read that, uh, there was nothing better than to learn from from those that had invented the style, like you know the boogie woogie style and that, that entire era of ragtime, and you know that they were that they they had roots in, in in those styles of music, and and you know Hilton uh, picked that up. He had a passion for 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 his for his music and uh, creating it. Uh, like I said, I was involved um, on his la- with his last recording, and we'll talk about that um, during next week's uh, episode. Uh, which will be, we're going to play that album, and uh, there's different sides of the story about that album. But uh, I'm going to uh, express uh, what really happened, and um, so that's going to be something interesting. Uh, you know, the, the behind the scenes. Um, happening uh, of producing the album and um, financing, getting the financing, the studio, the musicians, you know, paying everybody. And it was something uh, that um, I had a part of, you know, I did it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, there was a, a young man that, uh, that was interested in. in, in a recording project, and uh, he had enough money, just the exact amount of money that I needed to to pay everyone and pay for the studio and the the mixing and the, the mastering, et cetera. And um, lo and behold, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's a young kid and um, he seemed like a good kid at the time. But um, I'm going to talk more about what actually happened uh, during that time and uh, how Hilton. Uh, uh, with me knowing him, Hilton was a god was a godfather of my daughter Joanna. Um, <laughs> you know that's how close we were at one point. And and uh, towards the end, when he got involved with this, um, this company as a, a young cat that knew nothing about the music industry, um, all I needed him to, to do is to be the executive producer. That's all I needed. And um, all of a sudden, I found myself uh, in a situation where, I don't know, I think uh, Hilton picked, chose sides. And there's different parts. So now you hear different sides of the story. And actually, you're going to hear my side of the story, which is um, how we got the financing for that album. And this individual all of a sudden was in the picture. And uh, the person that I had previously to that that was going to finance the recording project told me that he couldn't do it. So, you know, and everything was set up. So, you know, I I was working in the uh, I was working for for a Spanish language newspaper doing uh, 
during uh, that time, it was uh, their 100th year anniversary uh, edition. And so I was a person getting sponsors like General Motors or Coca-Cola or AT&T or companies like that, you know. And uh, so I knew, you know, how to you know, try to find money from individuals that they had. They had to come up with it. They had to guarantee it, et cetera, and sign an agreement. Um, and this young man, uh, since I didn't have the money from the original person that was financing the recording, uh, a gentleman from City Island, uh, and um, this young man showed up with the money. Um, I, I said, okay, for the sake of the project, you know, I'm not going to make any money. Uh, for the sake of the project, I'm going to just get this project done. And um, I brought in a lot of people, a lot of special guests, and uh, the, the, the musicians, you know, had to be had to be chosen. And, uh, you know, me and Helton were going, you know, back and forth uh, doing the pre-production phase and the basis, uh, et cetera. So, you know, this is a, an individual that, um, uh, you know, for uh, his last, his, the last recording of his life, he lost his life, you know, and uh, it was such just so tragic because, I mean, you always had Katrina going on at that time, and I know that he, he had this passion, you know, like a feeling for New Orleans, especially the French Quarter. And I was not involved in that in that project anymore. After the after the recording, after the mastering, you know, after the graphics. Oh no, then we were going to get into we went into the artwork late, you know. And so, um, but it was finally released. And uh, wow, you know, the money was supposed to go to help the victims of Hurricane Maria, uh, Hurricane Katrina. And uh, he ended up uh, doing something good. You know, something bad happened and. Uh, he was tragically murdered, and uh, they've never, they have never solved that case. So, uh, I hope someone from New Orleans. Uh, yeah. And and no, the governor, the mayor was corrupt. If we can open up this case and find out who killed Hilton Greece. and see, they have the technology now more so than they had back then. So, you know, it looks like that they should be able to uh, open up what they call the cold case and see what happens. Well, it's funny because um, uh, Hilton had a ring, and that ring, he had a ring, you know, on on his finger, you know, when, you know, came back, at, you know, from uh, in a casket from, from New Orleans, his, his ring, his ring. And on that ring, there was a lot of blood on it. You could see that it was dried up blood on it. I told his daughter, I said, keep that. Don't use it. Just keep that because that might be, you know, something that... The killer blood that on there. ...that could help solve this case. I don't know if she did right. or not, you know. But uh, definitely, there was no way that... Someone, there had to be two people, somebody from behind. Somebody had to hit him on the head. Somebody had to do something. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but uh, there was something investigated, but it was never followed through. As a matter of fact, um, 
the his uh, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus found that this happened in New Orleans to a Puerto Rican from New York, Hilton Rue, is a musician and artist, a beloved uh, person in the community, respected within his industry, was killed in, in, in the French Quarter. And so they put out a press release, you know, saying, you know, with strong words, we want to find out where the Hispanic Congressional Caucus uh, and... Um, uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus, excuse me. And uh, we want to find out they were signed by a lot of the Congress, you know, people that were uh, Latinos. That was sent to New Orleans. That was sent to the press. And and all of a sudden, it's it's really interesting. It's far more wise because they were divorced. You know, but they were always trying to get back together. You know, they they made because they had a daughter and uh, her name is Ida. She, she she handles the publishing side and the royalties. She's the executor of the Hilton Rui estate. And so, you know, the mom, uh, Ida, um, she, uh, during the funeral, um, she told me that um, if I could do her a favor, I said, what's that? She said, well, can you call these people from the uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus and and tell them not to uh, not to um, push this this case because the lawyer that we have there has become aware that there's some pressure from Washington, D.C. And I said, okay, you know. Um, I called up somebody, you know, who was on there at the time, one of the Congress women, and um, I think that was, you know, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. That lawyer was in cahoots with everything that was going on, you know. <laughs> everything was corrupt at the time. Corruption. That's what happened. That, it was all corrupt. The, the mayor, I think, is in jail still right now for, for the corruption that happened during that time. Everything was a, it was just a, a lawless city. People were getting killed everywhere. So, you know, I hope you know this that tonight, um, someone in the audience, you know, that that loves the music of, uh, is now maybe just learning about the music of of Hilton Hoos. Um can, um, you know, start a campaign of, you know, who killed Hilton Reese. You know, it's a very, very uh, straight-to-the-point question. And and somebody in New Orleans should have the answer. It's never been resolved. So uh, tonight, all of that comes back to to light for me. That's like a lot of things with Tito Puente, you know, things that he had going that I don't see going anymore, like a Tito Puente scholarship fund and, and, and different things that, that I know that were very, uh, um, you know, spiritual, you know, giving back, you know, giving back, you know. And so I, I talk about Hilton tonight with the host of maybe anyone who's interested in, in helping with this, please, uh, Please contact uh, me via LinkedIn, uh, Eddie Rodriguez, Latin Works Music. That's Latin Works Music. 
And um, yeah, you can get in touch with me there. Leave me a message, call me. And um, I'd like to uh, maybe get this uh, information from someone in New Orleans. I'm sure his daughter has tried and tried, but I haven't spoken to her lately. And um, even if I I, I do uh, see her, you know, I'm just going to tell her as my as my compadre, which a compadre means like a brother. Okay, Godfather of my daughter. I'm going to ask who killed Hilton Reese. Who was it? We want an answer to that question. And hopefully, with the technology they have today, like you said, you know, we'll be able to solve a mystery that no one can explain. And I have another theory about all that that happened, but we'll get into that. Let's get into more Hilton. And, okay. Uh, yes. All right, here we go.
That was incredible. Okay. That was incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, once again, we're we're talking about a jazz pianist. You know that uh, his life was cut short, and uh, you know we have to look at it as you know human beings that we come here or with spirits and uh, you know in a body and our higher power calls us. You know when it's time to go. And so, you know, he, you have to think, well, you know, he's with his loved ones and he's with people he loved. You know, Tito Puente used to love, you know, Hilton Ruiz. That was his favorite pianist. You know, there was another great pianist from Argentina uh, by the name of Jorge Dalto. Tito Puente used to also love. And uh, a Colombian pianist by the name of Eddie Martinez. Uh, you know, all these guys that were in a, a class uh, within, the, you know, the industry that, you know, was that upper class, so to speak. You know, these guys had it together. And in jazz, you know, I got to say that Hilton was probably uh, the most uh, successful and the most prepared uh, musician. Uh, you've heard some of these standards, you know, the, uh, his arrangements were incredible, you know, and he always kind of had that Latin thing in it, you know, that made it pop a little bit more. And so, you know, he definitely contributed to 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 what Latin jazz music is today. Um, right? He talked about the point of opening the doors for Latin jazz to you know, be heard all over the world. There's a violinist by the name of Alfredo de la Fe who we're going to hear from uh, later on, uh, in the, on, you know, during this month, um, who who traveled with, with Tito Puente. The first, he was the musical director of the first uh, Tito Puente Latin Jazz Ensemble. You know, no Latin jazz had gone to these countries before. Uh, there was jazz and there was Latin um, obviously, Dominican Republic had their merengue, and um, Colombia had their cumbia. And, uh, you know, Puerto Rico had their bomba plena, um, and then salsa came into the picture. And you know, jazz was really not uh, considered a, a a profitable business, but as far as concerned, um, and um, God-given talent is concerned. Uh, people like Tito Puente and uh, people like uh, Hilton Ruiz and people like Dave Valentin and Young uh, Motoro, uh, some of the people that, uh, that I worked with that were not Tito. Tito was already gone. But here we are 17 years you know, after the death of a great, uh, I mean, amazing uh, Musician, pianist, composer, arranger, band leader, uh, that toured, you know, all over the world, and so proud to be a Puerto Rican, even though he was born in New York City. You know, there was nothing more. I mean, I used to spend my Christmases with uh, Hilton and his family in Teaneck, New Jersey. I lived, I lived uh, not far from from Teaneck, and I used to go visit him. Um, he was one of the only families that I knew 
you know, when I relocated from Los Angeles to New York, you know, and he was the closest one to me. So I spent a lot of time with Hilton, and like I said, you know, he he was the godfather of my of my daughter Joanna, but then my son Eddie, you know, became his grandson, and, you know. So and then Elizabeth <laughs> became his goddaughter. So all my three kids used to go. He always used to have something for them. It was, the food, oh, when you see with the Hilton, he used to love good Puerto Rican food. And so, you know, now we're we're at a, a crossroads. You know, 17 years after his passing, you know, it's you know, is it time to to solve this mystery? And uh, I think it is. Um, yeah, you know, when yeah. people pass away, these are want to pass, you know, on the operating table. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. open heart surgery, which was not recommended when he was here in Puerto Rico, um, to uh, resolve his, his condition at that time. You know how it developed into heart open heart surgery. I do not know, um, but that's what happened, and uh, he died on the operating table. May rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And Hilton, you know, uh, Hilton had so much going for him. You know, he's like. He had a lot going for him, uh, and, and you know, takes his turn and goes with certain people, and um, and um, something tragic happens. And once again, you know, we we're here for a limited amount of time. So that's um, true. The time that here, uh, we if you do great things like Hilton did, you know, like create this great music, arrange it, and compose it, and record it and perform it and be on the road, uh, bringing it to, 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 you know, people that, you know, love this music. They want to, they are, they, this is their entertainment, going to a club and listening to live, you know, jazz or Latin jazz music or salsa music or, you know, this is, this is their world. So, you know, Hilton was doing that because he was in the jazz world. Hilton was a jazz pianist that that was a Puerto Rican jazz pianist who didn't leave his Latin tinge, so to speak. You know, he kind of included to kind of spice it up a little bit. So you know, we met right. Hilton, you know, the human being and as a great musician uh, on the road uh, to see him perform live. But his music lives, and we'll be back next week with more of the Hilton Reese uh, story, you know, asking once again, you know, who killed Hilton Reese in the French Quarter in 2006, in May 2006. And it's an unsolved murder. And um, we're going to play his music so that you can know who the person is, that, the music that he left us. Uh, and uh, next week we're going to play his last recording and, I have a story about that one. So thank you very much uh, for inviting me tonight, Beverly. I I want to uh, you know let everyone know this is a public service on Block Talk Radio. Uh, I'm on uh, mic. Um, that's my uh, my iPhone. So <laughs> this is coming to you live, unscripted, on un, you know no uh, levels. Uh, you know for the microphone to our uh, voices. And uh, if any, you know, you hear something in the background, or we make a mistake, that's uh, you know, we just keep on going. So um, right. we want to thank everyone. We want to thank everyone for for listening and uh, 
you know, passing on. You know, this uh, music is available on the archives of blogstalkradio.com uh, under Truth to Power with Beverly D. Every Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And yeah. uh, I've been honored to be invited by Beverly to get a perspective of a Puerto Rican who grew up in the Bronx and, um, you know, in the South Bronx and ended up in this Latin music industry in the South of France with Tito Puente and some of the great artists that you're you're listening to um, during these uh, programs, uh, educating and entertaining. Yeah. That's uh, Hogan yes, from my is. good friend Al Carlos Hernandez. To end, our goal is to end to educate and to entertain, to create awareness so that you can pass the word on of some great, amazing musicians and artists and their music. And their music lives. They live and because their music lives. So, Beverly, thank yeah. you again and uh, good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank us. Uh, and we will be back next week. Better love, everyone.
have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.